way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest, a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for the Lord's day and the opportunity to hear from your word. We ask that you would use Adam's voice this morning to glorify our great high priest and help us to see that he is faithful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I, I do uh, have my Jonathan Worth gifted me a, a handkerchief some while ago, and I've adapted to it as a habit. I would commend it to you. It's a little gross, but uh, at the same time, it really works uh, if you can get past the kind of grossness of it. I thought it would be a good idea to have on hand for myself uh, this morning uh, due to profusely sweating, uh, and I may even shed a tear for you. Uh, I will say this, uh, when I sat down to begin writing uh, this sermon, like my last time with you all, uh, thinking of a final address or what maybe would, some would call a farewell sermon is, as you can imagine, a rather daunting task. Putting down, uh, when you sit down to think, my word, what would I say? How would I account in meaningful measure my last pastoral words to you, a congregation that I have been pleased to serve for nearly 16 years? It's a challenge. I was tempted to just preach an old text that I just like. I thought, well, you know, I just, if, if I'm given one chance to just speak to you all in capacity of your minister one last time, I was tempted to just rehearse a text that I just really enjoy. Uh, there are many of them, particularly as I think of our time in the Gospels. But I figured that was insufficient. I need to say something here and now that I can leave with you as I go. Adrian and I were just 28 years old when we moved here to Pittsburgh to begin planting Redeemer with friend, pastor, brother-in-law, and unto my children, Uncle Dan. We are now, as you then maybe have done the math, I'm a late 42. And you'll have to ask Adrienne her age, because you're not allowed to announce that. But if you listened carefully before, you should figure it out. Owen, who is now, as you can probably measure out, just shy of 16 years old, he was the first baby 
in the Redeemer Nursery. When we were getting started planting, the idea is when you're planting a church, ordained and commissioned, sent forward and funded, is that there will be a congregation someday. That is the aim, that is the intent. So we set about that task in 2008. It's a little difficult when you meet in an old Victorian home in friendship to get the first person to come. There's no one who's already there so that others can come and they can choose that this isn't for them and they can quietly leave and there's no blushing or awkwardness about it. There were other people there to buffer, maybe they won't even notice us. It's the first people to break the ice that is always the hardest. We finally got a couple that desired to come to the church at one point, outside our little nucleus of who was helping us. It was, I believe on a weeknight, was their first chance willing to come. They came to a small group of which was truly indeed a small group. They came and Owen was, you know, a little top heavy as a child, if you knew. His head was very heavy. This family came and they had a little tiny infant. And Owen came over and we're trying to get people to come to the church, Owen. Came over to present some sort of gift to this little infant. Fell over being top heavy and headbutted the child. Sent the entire room into a panic, thinking that he had crushed or dented the skull of this brand new visitor infant. He really stole the oxygen immediately out of what we were attempting to do. I don't think it was because of the headbutt, so I don't resent my son, but they did not stay. We lost them. But as I look at Redeemer now, again, well down the road, nearly 16 years now, I rejoice as you do at the infants. Many, many more in the nursery these days to which Owen had to pioneer. Many filling in behind of which we rejoice and have been a part of seeing and we commend to you the joy of your infant families. Young people. I will say, which is an aside, and is not my main point, invest in them. Care for them. <clears throat> More importantly, and most importantly, set proper habits for them. <clears throat> and I don't mean by telling them their habits, I mean by modeling them. There are many, many stories that I can think of over the course of the years that we have spent together, some before you arrived. Many, many stories that I can recount before you of God's faithfulness to our family during our labors here at Redeemer Community Church. And each of you, including those I have not even met who are here this morning, each individual who can hear my voice is a part of God's kindness and his faithfulness to me, a minister, and to our family together. All in all, as I 
wish to not make this a sentimental time. Certainly have emotions for you all. Who wouldn't? I mean, cry out loud, when you leave an office job, you might even feel a little bad. To leave a church is a big deal. I certainly have many emotions for you. But I do wish, in the capacity of minister one last time, to finish how I began. That is, as a minister of word and sacrament. So sentimentality aside, but yet a heart that is earnest for you, I wish to encourage you all in three parts. The first is I wish to encourage every individual who is here this morning and can hear my voice. I wish to encourage you, those that I know and those that I do not. I wish to encourage every individual here unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. Secondly, I wish to encourage you, the church as organism, together as the people of God. And thirdly, I wish to encourage you, members of session and the deaconate, as those who will continue to serve Christ here at Redeemer on his behalf. Firstly, To each individual gathered here this morning upon this Lord's Day who chose to get up out of bed and to gather with the people of God as is their duty. And I hope their delight. I turn to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 15. You don't need to turn there as this is some sort of kind of topical time. I will read the text for you. I wish you to sit and simply receive. First Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. Paul says this to the church at Corinth. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. As I thought of every person that would possibly, potentially, and graciously gather on this Lord's Day, what more could I commend to you in the main than the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am an ordained minister unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is to be the beginning 
and the end of our ministry to you and it's to sustain the entirety of ministry from the start to the finish. It is, as Paul says here, out of everything, it is of first or primary importance. Often the church forgets that as we debate and argue and lose our way over what is of secondary importance, over what is of tertiary importance, and so on and so on and so on. And we lose for ourselves, for our church, and for the broader Christian community what is truly unto us of first importance. What I commend unto you is to recall early and often the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ, beloved, saves. That he saves us from sin's guilt of which you feel all the time. And he drives away its tyranny, which chases us all the time. I urge upon you to receive this day the good news of Jesus Christ. But in so doing, I also warn you on how to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Feeling as your minister of the last hour, for me, not for you, I wish to encourage you and warn you that you must understand that the good news, at the heart of the good news of Jesus Christ, who saves us from sin and tyranny, rinses us of its guilt, sets us forward in green pasture, produces his fruits within our lives, I urge you to understand that the good news of Jesus Christ is never to be confused with good advice which is simply to be formed and mimicked. The good news, beloved, of Jesus Christ is to be received and rested upon. To that, I wish to read for you Romans 3, a text which I know you've heard and you're familiar with, but I leave this with you, beloved, to hear it early 
and hear it often. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our stated condition and our stated solution and are justified by his grace as a gift. You see, it is as a gift to be received, not something to be performed. Performance will always plague you. It will always be a tyranny that chases you. And are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. To every individual here in this Lord's day who can hear my voice, I urge you, in the main, to resist the pull of shallow religious advice, techniques, and programs. And look to Christ. Receive him as he is truly offered to you in the gospel. Rest upon him. And let him always be your assurance. To satisfy this final thought with you, every individual, I offer you these words by this author. Who sums it up and strengthens the point well. The gospel comes not as a task for us to fulfill a mission for us to accomplish a game plan for us to follow with the help of life coaches, but as a report that someone else has already fulfilled it. Someone else has already accomplished it. Someone else has already followed it and achieved everything that is required. I urge you this day, beloved, as the writer of Hebrews says unto us, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Secondly, I wish to encourage you, the church as organism, those who I charitably judge have received the gift of righteousness bestowed through faith in Christ. The church, his people, in union to him through faith 
and empowered and vested with his Holy Spirit. I wish to encourage you, the people of God, the sheep of Christ's pasture. Out of all of the encouragements I could leave you with, numerous passages and thoughts. One strikes me as a lightning bolt of primacy. I encourage you, the Church of Christ, to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. I'm not going to argue the finer theological points or try to arm wrestle you right now from texts and argumentation upon the validity of one day in seven marked in the moral law of God established as a creation ordinance writ large in the moral law of God contained in the Ten Commandments not merely for his Israel of Old Covenant but his Israel of his covenant for all ages we see celebrated and established in the new covenant as the day of resurrection. As John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I heard a mighty voice as though a trumpet. Laying hold of Sabbath principle has done more probably to transform my heart of devotion as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a churchman. Nothing more than understanding the beautiful benefit given to me of one day in seven, marked out without question as the Lord's day. Our God thundered to establish this principle, codify it for his people, forever it shall remain unto them. Exodus 28 and 9, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. I wish to draw your attention to the text that was read for you by Brian Thomas just moments ago. I wish to encourage you with it. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places 
by the blood of Jesus. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but instead encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There is perhaps at our time and our cultural moment, as has always been the case, but I, I can only speak to my moment, truly. There is almost no more countercultural call to the church than to not neglect the gathering of God's people. So many people talk about being radical this or radical that or, you know, really doing something for God. Beloved, go to church. That at this point in time is one of the most radical things you can do. Above all else is to prize the Lord's day. Weekly, you will be tempted, and I speak to those who are tempted and those who share in the temptation, weekly you will be tempted to prize scrolling your phone. The idolatry of children's sports. I think of you as having little ones that will go into sport. You will be so tempted to enter tournament play because of peer pressure that they may have with their friends to take them to sports ball tournaments of various kinds. You will be tempted to sleep in you will even be tempted unto a hot breakfast over and against the worship of God. Again, I urge you to hear my voice and set it upon your schedule. But as your little ones grow, remember the Lord's day. 
the way of triumph for the pilgrim, for all of us, individually, as families, what have you, as human beings. The way of triumph for the pilgrim is ordinary faithfulness to the very ordinary means of grace. If I could leave this with you and sear it upon your conscience as though I wish I could, the Lord's day is unto us an immeasurable benefit and is never to be thought of ever as a burden to bear. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Finally, to the officers of the church, members of session that I've been pleased to serve alongside, to receive mentoring from, and I hope to have mentored, and to the deaconate, officers ordained to serve Christ's church where her needs be. I speak to you all as a fellow elder. Christ has gifted you men, called and confirmed you as his officers. Through whom he does rule and he does serve his body, the church. He does so through you men by call and by confirmation by the power of his Holy Spirit, gifting you with energy to serve, minds to be made ready for industry, and wisdom to apply in your shepherding of Christ's sheep. I encourage you, the officers of Redeemer Community Church, be good churchmen. Each one of you to a man, serve the church of Christ, as Peter says, eagerly. Be men who pray for her, who continue to think for her to provide that thought and wisdom unto her, to encourage and to love her. Be men who serve the church of Jesus Christ gathered here at Redeemer willingly and eagerly as Peter encourages all, be unto her examples to the flock of God. I wish to summarize this point. For the individuals 
who are gathered here to the congregation bound together as organisms and to its officers that Christ has ordained and established. Together as a church, when we see the officers doing their work in the church, we should also rejoice in Christ. The existence and ministries of the elders of the church and her deacons is proof that Christ reigns over his church. Through these men, Christ watches over us all. He preserves us, he keeps us, empowers us, helps us, and protects us at their hands. I encourage you the session of Redeemer and its deacons. Serve the Church of Jesus Christ. Serve her faithfully. Finally, I must say on behalf of the Thomases, not as mere minister, of which as I have recounted for you, I've been pleased to serve, but as a father with my children here as men and brothers, sisters and mothers, who they have had the joyful occasion of worshiping alongside, watching and mimicking. Oh, this is how you must do that. Pedagogically you serve, have served my family, and will serve the families remaining. I wish to say then, together, as a father, as a minister, as a husband, on behalf of the Thomases, we love you. And we desire your good in the gospel. and in the continuing life of the church as Christ's body. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church family. I thank you for the call to serve her and the continuing call for the men of the session deaconate that will continue the work and the labors here. I think of Pastor Dan and I pray for him before this congregation, that you'd equip him, that you would strengthen his arms, his legs, his mind, his heart. Fill him up to every good work and endeavoring after a life of faithfulness to the church of Jesus Christ. May he continue on as he will by your strength and your mercy. I commend the deaconate. They would serve eagerly. 
that you would bless the work of their hands, that you would tidy this facility as they labor together as wise caretakers of what you've entrusted to them. And I pray for our families here at Redeemer. Bless unto them spiritual nourishment, growth, and guidance. Let all be bound together in the great and glorious news that Jesus Christ saves. And he is our King, our Redeemer, our Savior. We gather in his name upon his day to exalt him and to worship him. Bless this congregation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. to a time at the table. As you see there, let's just sing together a cappella one verse. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved us. 